This is The Space Shot, episode 359 for May 8th, 2018. The Star Trek Multiverse. I'm John Mulnix. On May 8th, 2009, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek reboot movie premiered in theaters. If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you're quite aware that I'm a Trekkie, so today is going to be a bit about that movie, the Star Trek franchise, a little bit about storytelling, and a little bit about where I see Star Trek in the history of sci-fi and science. J.J. Abrams lens flares aside, this 2009 incarnation of Star Trek was a fun movie. Wasn't the best one, but it was enjoyable nonetheless. The story of Kirk's birth, his rebellious youth, and the time at Starfleet Academy is pretty fun. The original series TV show always focused on Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and to a lesser extent the other characters, so it was refreshing to see that the new actors chosen to play these three characters have good chemistry. I think the most satisfying reboot characters for me are McCoy and Scotty. Carl Urban plays McCoy, and he gets the mannerisms of DeForest Kelly downed to a T. Simon Pegg is a perfect fit for Scotty, plus he's a Trekkie to boot, which must have made acting in the universe even more fun. There are some weird and unsatisfying plot devices in this movie. I'm still a little bit salty about red matter, and wonder why Spock has to keep a massive 3-4 to four foot wide exercise ball looking thing for a source of red matter when a tiny drop is powerful enough to destroy an entire planet. But hey, I guess I can get over it. There's a scene in this movie where Spock's character, played by the talented Zachary Quinto, notes that the events in this movie completely reset the timeline. Damn it, man, I'm a doctor, not a physicist. Are you actually suggesting they're from the future? If you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. How poetic. Then what would an angry future Romulan want with Captain Pike? As captain, he does know details of Starfleet's defenses. What we need to do is catch up to that ship. Disable it, take it over, and get Pike back. We are technologically outmatched in every way. A rescue attempt would be illogical. Nero's ship would have to drop out of warp for us to overtake well, Then him. what about assigning engineering crews to try and boost our warp yield? Remaining power and crew are being used to repair radiation leaks uh, in the lower decks okay, and damage right, to right. communications without There's which we got cannot to be contact some way. Starfleet. We must gather with the rest of Starfleet to balance the terms of the next engagement. There won't be a next engagement. By the time we've gathered, it'll be too late. But you say he's from the future, knows what's going to happen, then the logical thing is to be unpredictable. You're assuming that Nero knows how events are predicted to unfold. The contrary, Nero's very presence has altered the flow of history, beginning with the attack on the USS Kelvin, culminating in the events of today, thereby creating an entire new chain of incidents that cannot be anticipated by either party. An alternate reality. Precisely. Whatever our lives might have been if the time continuum was disrupted, our destinies have changed. Mr. Sulu, plot a course to the Laurentian system, warp factor three. Spock, don't do that. Using an alternate timeline allowed the universe to be rebooted, as it were, without stepping on established canon. To a lot of diehard Trekkies, canon supersedes many things, much to the detriment of the Star Trek universe. Frankly, I think this is perfectly fine for rebooting the series. I believe that the Star Trek universe isn't some monolithic creation that so many people believe it to be. Trek changed with Star Trek The Next Generation, 
got a bit darker with Deep Space Nine, went to New Worlds and the Delta Quadrant with Voyager, and explored a different part of a fictional future history with Enterprise. More recently, Star Trek Discovery has opened up the franchise to a new generation of viewers. Many in the Trek fandom felt that this newest incarnation is disrespectful to the vision that Gene Roddenberry had for Star Trek. I take a little bit of issue with that. Creating stories that bring in new audiences and delight existing fans at the same time is a tricky business. I know this as I've been writing a podcast for nearly a year. I'm ready to try new things and tell different stories than I've been able to do over the past year. I think the same goes for Discovery and the writers for that show. Yes, it's in an established timeline, but it's telling a different story of a different crew, and that's important from a creative standpoint. Writers don't want to keep replaying the same stories over and over again. I think creativity demands that we explore new worlds and seek out new storylines, boldly going where plot lines have yet to venture. Discovery's first season isn't without its own issues, but compared to the first seasons of other Star Trek shows, it was quite the freshman showing for a TV show. On a related note, there's a parody of Star Trek and an interesting piece of dystopian science fiction. It's the Black Mirror episode USS Callister. A sadistic programmer goes to incredible lengths to trap digital copies of people in a fictional computer universe entirely of his making. He forces these digital avatars of people in his life to replay scenes from his childhood. This episode was interesting because I think it can be seen as a commentary on a lot of fandoms in pop culture, not just Star Trek specifically. Expanding into new storylines and creating new characters is an uncomfortable process. It takes away what we're used to and forces us to confront new questions, new villains, and new adventures. USS Callister shows us many things, and one of those I think is almost a toxic nostalgia that traps people in the past at the expense of living in the present. I think that confronting these new questions, embarking on new adventures, and exploring new storylines is what makes Star Trek so special in the big scheme of science fiction, space exploration, and storytelling. Star Trek changing from one series to another isn't a weakness. It makes the show stronger and relevant for future generations. Much like the James Bond universe gets reset with each new actor that plays the character, Star Trek must not only reset at times, but also expand if it's to stay relevant in the cultural zeitgeist. Expecting a network like CBS to create a carbon copy of the original series, complete with the mid-60s design aesthetics on a futuristic starship, just isn't going to happen. The original series design holds a special place in my heart. I've got a kitchen table that was my mom's mom's, and that chair and table set looks like I took it from the galley of the Enterprise. I dig that design, but I'm not going to expect that a studio create a product that's exactly what I remember Star Trek to be from my childhood. I also think fan films that borrow from the original aesthetic have their place in the culture for the truly diehard Trekkies among us. I was a guest on the latest Cosmic Chat podcast the other day, and one of the things I mentioned was how Star Trek inspired an Apple engineer to create the QuickTime program. 
Commander Data was listening to multiple pieces of music at the same time, and this scene where Data is comparing works by classical artists gave the Apple engineer the idea for a program that's now used to share audio and video on the internet. Star Trek has influenced the people that are pushing the frontiers of space exploration and technology here on Earth, and this nexus between real-world science and science fiction is truly exciting. This quick-time example is one of many where science fiction informed or inspired someone in the real world, as it were, to create something new. Aspiring to be more than we are now, and working towards that goal, is a cool legacy for a sci-fi franchise that's been around for over a half-century. Tomorrow, we mix it up with a different type of science fiction, with The Fifth Element. I hope all of you have a fantastic rest of your day. I appreciate each and every one of you that listen to the podcast every day. I'd be incredibly grateful if you could share the podcast with your friends and family. Tag one of them and let them know about your favorite episode. I'd also really appreciate it if you could venture into the Apple Podcasts app or your podcast app of choice and leave a review for The Space Shot. A steady stream of reviews helps ensure The Space Shot is more visible in the Apple Podcasts app. As always, the show notes have more information on today's episode. You can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix. I'm always up to chat. You can also connect with me on Facebook. Just search The Space Shot or check out the links in the show notes and you'll find me. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.